you guys, um, you want to take good notes tonight because after the sharing, as we've been doing, we're going to ask some of you guys to come up and repeat some of these things. And uh, tonight, tonight we're serving hot bread, okay? This is fresh out of the oven. Some good stuff coming tonight. So take good notes because, listen, I, you guys are going to fight over each other to get up here and, and speak this, okay? All right, so last week, we've been covering these basic lessons, right? Basic things that we need to know as a believer, as a Christian. And last week, we talked about uh, the blood, right? And uh, the reason why we need the blood is because when God made man, his intention was to come inside a man. But before that could happen, Satan tricked man. He was cunning, he was crafty, and uh, he deceived man into taking in sin and death instead of God. And so in a sense, God made man as a vessel. There are many verses that tell us this. God made man as a vessel to contain him. But what Satan did was he defiled the vessel. So he tainted man with sin. So I'll just take this marker here and I'll just draw up, you know. So before we receive the Lord, before we apply the blood, we're just tainted with sin, right? Even in the core of our being, okay? And so last week we got a great lesson on the blood. <clears throat> and so Christ died on the cross for us to redeem us, to forgive us of our sin, and he cleanses away the sin. And so, before we were redeemed by the blood, we were like this. Then after we were redeemed by the blood, we're now a cleansed cup, a cleansed vessel. But there's still something wrong with this vessel. I mean, this one may not be dirty with sin, but this one is cleaned, but there's still something wrong. One's dirty, one's clean, but they're both still empty. They're both still empty. And God's intention from the beginning was that he would enter into man as Christ through the life-giving spirit. So God doesn't want just a clean cup, even after the blood. He wants to fill man with the content of himself. Right? So tonight we're going to talk about that. That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about God coming into man in Christ as the spirit to be our life. Okay? Hot bread. All right? Hot bread. All right. I'm going to take a drink of Christ right here. Okay, full view. Okay. I'll probably just walk over there later. All right, so let's start. So tonight's message is Christ in you. Christ in you. And the first point here says, a great realization. And let's read this verse all together. 2 Corinthians 13.5. Ready, go. So in this verse, Paul tells us to take a test. And to prove to ourselves something. He says, do you not realize something about yourself? So Paul wants us to have a realization. To realize means to be fully aware of a fact. 
To realize means to be fully aware of a fact. Paul wants us to be fully aware of a certain fact. That Christ lives in us. You may think, what's the big deal about this? In all the years I have been on this campus, I won't tell you how many, but it's more than a decade. In all the years I've been here, 100% of the time I have asked another Christian, what makes you a Christian? And no one has given me the right answer. I get, well, I go to church on Sunday. Going to church does not make you a Christian. Going swimming does not make you a fish. I'll give another answer. Well, I believe in certain teachings. That's not bad. But that still does not make you a Christian. Does the, does the devil believe that Jesus is real? Of course he does. There's stories recorded in the gospel between him and the Lord having a conversation or two. But is he a Christian? No. Definitely not. Do atheists study the Bible in detail so they can figure out how to fight with Christians and argue with us. But they would never claim to be a Christian. So adhering to certain teachings does not make you a Christian. Going to church does not make you a Christian. Growing up in a Christian family does not make you a Christian. What makes us a Christian is that Christ lives in us. Not only do we believe in the Lord, we believe he is God in a man, lived a perfect human life, dying across for our sins, Resurrected on the third day, ascended to become the life-giving spirit. And now he, as the life-giving spirit, not only do we believe this, we can also receive him. So in John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, it says we need to believe and we also need to receive. So a Christian is a person who has Christ living in us. Paul wants us to have this realization. This is who we are. Do we realize there are two lives now in us? We were born from our parents with one life. But eventually, by God's mercy, we open our hearts to him. We open our spirit to the Lord. We say, Lord, I believe in you. I need you. He came into us. We received him. And now where is Christ today? On the one hand, he is on the throne in the third heavens. But on the other hand, right now. Literally, really realize, realize what is real, the reality. I'm just spinning the word realize, right? We need this great realization, what the reality is. What is real right now is spiritually, but literally, Christ is right now inside of us. Who is sitting here in these chairs? Just you? Gabby, only you? Who's listening to the words? Who's walking the class? Who's driving? Who's sleeping in the dorms? Who's waking up in the morning, taking a shower? Is it just only you? Paul said you need to have a realization. Christ is in you. When we walk across campus, Christ is walking across campus. When we go to class, Christ is going to class. Right now, when we're listening, 
Christ is listening. And hopefully when I'm speaking, Christ is speaking. I'll show you a quick story. There's, there's a uh, Christian I knew. He shared the story once. He said, so he was, uh, he, was a, he was a really naughty person. He was in a rock and roll band. He hated, he hated Christians. He knew Christians. He hated Christians. Um, but the funny thing was he was really smart in school. So he, uh, he went to class. And every time he would take a test, he always made the top grade. But one day he took a test and somebody else beat him. But every time he would make an A, he made sure that everybody knew, hey, it was me, I, I got the A. But this one time, this person made a higher grade than him, and, they, and this person never said anything. Never said anything. Anyway, long story short, he started to investigate to figure out who this person was, and he found out who he was. He began to observe this person. A few things happened, and eventually he was so impressed by the kind of character that, that this person was, and he discovered that this person was a Christian. And eventually that other person preached the gospel to him, and he received the Lord, and he himself became a Christian. Okay, so years later, I'm listening to him share the story, and he tells me this. He says, I never knew for a whole semester. And, you know, this person, this brother that was in his class, actually sat right next to him, right? He says, for a whole semester, I never knew that every day when I went to class, God came in and sat right next to me. He had a realization. This is what a Christian is. This is what a believer is. This is what a saint is. Okay? A Christian, a believer, a saint, is a person who has Christ in them. Do you not realize about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? We need to be fully aware of this reality, okay? It's marvelous, wonderful. Okay, let's go on to the next one. So when Christ comes into us, where does he go? Does he go to my ear? Does he go to my big toe? Does he go to your thumb, Michael? Where does he go? Okay, when Christ entered into us, he goes to our spirit. And when he enters our spirit, our spirit becomes alive with God's life. So the second point says, making our spirit life. And let's read Romans 8.10 together. Ready? Go. So this verse says that Christ is in us, and when Christ is in us, our spirit is now filled with life. Prior to this, our spirit was empty. A picture you can think of is like a football without any air in it, it's just deflated. But when Christ entered into us, he inflated our spirit with himself as the spirit. And our spirit is now life. Our body is dead because of sin. But our spirit is now life. So there is a part in our being that is God's life. is where God's life is. So the Bible says, on the one hand, Christ is in your spirit. But on the other hand, life is in your spirit. What does that mean? If A equals B and B equals C, then what is A equal to? 
So if Christ is in my spirit, and life is in my spirit, because he made it alive with his life, then what is Christ? Christ is life. Christ himself is the very life of God. And when we receive Christ into us, we receive God's life into us. And that life enters into our spirit, and it makes our spirit alive. Right now, when God looks at us, he sees a part of us that's fully alive and living with Christ as our life. Okay? So, point two says, when Christ comes in, that's where he goes. He begins by coming into our spirit. All right? So, one, Christ is in us. Two, when he comes in us, he enters into our spirit. Okay? Three, living in us. Okay, let's read Galatians 2, 2.20 together. Go. Okay, so Christ is in us, but I think sometimes we may have uh, the concept, I wish I had a clear glass, sometimes we may have the concept like, you know, like a marble or in this way, a cap. Is not this cap in the cup now? So if, if, if the Bible says we're a vessel like a cup and God wants to enter into us, then is that not the case? In a sense, that is the case. Formerly, Christ was not in us. And after we believed and we see him, Christ is in us. And if I shake you, I should hear Christ in you. Oh! It's okay, he comes back. <clears throat> okay, but here's the thing. We may have the thought that Christ is in us, right? But we are still we. And Christ is still Christ. There's, you understand that? It's like, for example, like if you, I know none of you have ever done this. Maybe you have. But if you like swallow a marble or something. Or a gum, piece of gum. How, yeah, how many of us have ever swallowed a piece of gum? If you swallow a piece of gum, first of all, it doesn't stay in you for seven years. <laughs> Only six years. <laughs> if you swallow a piece of gum, you don't panic you know that eventually it will pass through. It will not be absorbed. It will not interact with us in any way. The gum is in us, but it will not affect us in any way. Right? But that's not how Christ is in us. When Christ enters into us, he wants to become a part of us. So when he first enters into our spirit, he's there as life. But eventually, what is he doing? Have you ever considered, what is Christ doing in us? You ever call somebody and say, hey, man, what are you doing right now? You text someone, hey, what are you doing right now? What's up? What are you doing? Oh, Have you ever thought to ask the Lord, Lord, what are you doing right now? I know you're inside of me. What are you doing? Well, we're going to spend a little time here in this verse, but look, look at the, after the, uh, the first comma. I'm crucified with Christ, semicolon, and it's no longer I who live, comma. But it is what? Christ who lives in me. If you ask the Lord, Lord, what are you doing in me right now? You know what he say? I am living in you right now. 
I want to live in you. I'm life, and I want to live in you. Okay? So what's interesting about this verse is this. And I hope you would commit this verse to memory. This is, I would say, one of the top, what would you say, Neil? Five, ten verses in the New Testament that we should know. Okay, it says here. First it says this. I am, Paul's talking. He says, I am crucified with Christ. So shouldn't he be dead? He confirms it. And it is no longer I who live. So based on what we read so far, Paul is crucified with Christ. He should be dead. Then he says, so because I'm dead, Christ lives in me. Okay, that makes sense so far. It's almost like Christ comes in and says, Paul, you get out of the way. You're no good. You cease to exist. Now you're dead. And Christ comes in instead and says, now I live for you. There's no more Paul. There's just Christ. But if we continue, then Paul says this. But it is Christ who lives in me, and the life which I now live. Wait a minute. He just said he was dead. He was crucified. And now he says, the life which I now live. So he's still alive somehow. The life which I now live in the flesh. Again, he says, I live in faith. The faith of the Son of God. So what's going on here? Well, we know according to Romans 6.6, 6, you may want to write down this reference, Romans 6.6. 6, that verse says that our old man has been crucified with Christ. So what died in us? What got crucified in us? Something in us the Bible calls the old man is crucified. So when God created man, God wanted man to express him. But when Satan deceived man, he caused sin to enter into man. And when sin entered into man and into man's life, then man became old. The Bible calls him old, falling apart, decrepit, hopeless. So the old man is the us without God that is sinful before God. That old man... God does not want to reform. That old man, God wants to terminate. So Paul says, that old man, the first I here, that is crucified with Christ. It is gone, terminated. It's the sinful life that we have. God terminate. Then, there's a new I that comes forth. The new I, here's the trick. The new I is the same old man but with Christ added to it. So on the one hand, the old man got terminated and crucified, and then that old man got resurrected again with the divine life and became a new eye. And so that eye is living not by itself, but is now living with Christ. So Paul tells us after Christ enters into our spirit, he wants to spread further into our soul and begin to live through our soul. So one, Christ enters into us. Two, he enters into our spirit. But from there, he wants to live through our soul because our soul is who we are. 
and the sinful old part of our soul has been crucified, and then we are resurrected with Christ's life, and now we live and he lives. Two lives with one living. And that's what the Lord wants to do. So that means what? That means when it's possible that when we speak, guess who else is speaking? Christ is speaking. When we do certain actions, Christ is also doing certain actions. So we have a choice every day. We can either go back to the OI that's been crucified, the I that had no God, that was living before, or we can go to the I that is, has God now and live according to that. So this is what the Lord wants today. From our spirit, he wants to spread into our soul and to live within us, okay? Okay, then finally, uh, Roman num um, number four, our hope of glory. And let's all read Colossians 1.27 together, go. Okay, so in this verse, again, Paul says, Christ in you. Christ in you. There it is again. Over and over again, Paul just, it's almost like whenever he could find a chance, he would throw in the phrase, Christ in you. Don't you realize, for thousands of years, since the creation of the world, this has never happened before. Finally. God can live inside of man. So he says, Christ in you. Then he says, the hope of glory. So Paul said, eventually, Christ not only comes into your spirit, he will also spread into our soul. And then one day, he will spread further even into our body. And when that happens, we will be glorified. That has not happened yet. That's why Paul said, it's the hope. Hope is for something in the future. So when we look at these verses, what do we see? We see Christ will eventually spread through every part of our being. Can you imagine even one day the Lord will be even in our physical selves? He'll be in your, I would assume we still have it. Well, he'll be in your mitochondria. I was a biology major. He'll be in your DNA. He'll be in your vacuoles. <laughs> He'll be in your lipids. Literally and physically. That is our hope that is coming in the future. Christ has already entered into our spirit. That happened in the past. Today, he wants to live through our soul by us rejecting and denying the old man and living according to our mingled spirit. And when we do that, Christ spread from our spirit into our soul and becomes a part of our soul. He lives through us and our soul expresses him. That's going on right now. And that should go on for the rest of our lives or until the Lord comes back. And then one day, Christ was spread Starting from our spirit, going through our soul, 
and even into our physical body. And the Bible says when that happens, we will be glorified. We will be physically even like Christ. You see that? That is what the Lord is doing today. Okay? And so you got the points? Very simple, right? Okay. So one, a Christian is a person who what? Has Christ living in them. What verse is that? There's many verses, but the first one is 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Okay? Then two, where does he go when he comes into us? He comes to our spirit and he makes our spirit life. Romans 8, 10. But from our spirit, he just just doesn't want to stay there. He wants to spread into our soul. And he wants to live through our soul so we can express him. Right? Okay, that's Galatians 2.20. And finally, in the future, he will spread even into our physical body. And we'll be fully filled and saturated with Christ. And that is when we will be glorified. Right? And that's the last point. A hope of glory. That's Colossians 1.27. Okay. How about that? Pretty simple, right? Very straightforward. Okay. So, this is the part where they have some discussions, and then afterwards, um, maybe we just have to take numbers, because I know a lot of you are going to want to come up here and repeat these points, right? Okay.